Hello again, this is Josh Sigmund with Sigmund Sense, and uh, we're going to get back into uh, money, but specific to the top 10 uh, issues that we see when it comes to the day-to-day drags. What I mean by drags is, what are those parachute points that kind of slow down forward momentum? If If you can picture a race car that's coming to the end of the track, and they have to throw those parachutes out the back to slow them down. Being in the business that I'm in, I get to see lots of those things that are tiny drags that slow down the, that forward momentum. And so, uh, anyways, I hope you have a great show. And here we go with Sigmund Sense. I'm Josh Sigmund, and I'm a mortgage lender. I'm also a geek for money, not just earning it and saving it, but literally everything about it. I love that money has rules. It has its truths. I love investment strategies, and I love making money work for us. For so many, money is emotional. For me, it's logical like a puzzle. My passion is also helping others with their money. I love looking at people's finances, dissecting their puzzle, and rebuilding with strategy and purpose. And I'm really good at it. I'm making this podcast about my money strategies, not the things that are written in books or sold in programs. It's a podcast outlining the lessons I've learned and used for the past 15 years. These strategies help me and those who use them save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. Let me teach you how to build your net worth. You ready? Welcome to Sigmund Sense. Click TikTok. All right, you ready? Nope. Never on time. Mm-hmm. You're never ready. And when you are on time, you're still not on time. I think you project on me that, that thing about being on time. Being on time, being present are two different things. I project what onto you? That I'm the one that's always late. <laughs> I think you're the I one. project it onto you? Like, yeah. I, like I somehow make you late? Or well, I make the perception what's, what's that you're late? Yeah. It's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not, a real thing. not a real thing. It's weird how the clock works too. Yeah, but if you don't start on time, then you're not on time. Even if you're early. You. I can't with you. I can't with you. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Oh, we are rolling. Oh. Action. And I feel like action. this is like the beginning of Anchorman. It's like, <laughs> you dirty <laughs> What? I haven't seen that movie. What? There's like, uh, an Anchorman. Is uh, that the one where he like controls his mouth? No, Anchorman with Will Ferrell. Yeah. Where he and the girl from... Uh, uh, Oh, what's the old Oh, one? I'm thinking of Bruce Christine Almighty. Al, 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 Christine oh, Applegate. Oh, she's the jam. Go back and watch them bantering. And like, th- this is when she's trying to make her way as being the first female broadcaster. Oh, and he hates it. Yes. And so he's constantly like trying to ru- ruin her life. And he's trying to, she's mm-hmm, trying to ruin his life. Mm-hmm, but whatever. Mm-hmm, but they have good chemistry. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm ready if you are. What? <laughs> because. Back to that question. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just want to get one, two, and three in my head, and we're good. And I'll ref- it's not, not a big deal if I refer to my notes in this, right? Okay, cool, because it's comfortable and casual. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, welcome to another installment of Sigmund Sense. Super excited about this, right? Um, so I want to talk more about money, but um, this one's going to be a little, I'm throwing Brent off because I didn't prep her at all. Because I want to, I think this is interesting what I get to see in my uh um, job as a loan officer. Yeah. I get to see the top 10 things that are common mistakes that don't seem like they're big mistakes when it comes to finances. Okay. Um, 
And I think that a lot of people that listen to this can absolutely relate. Mm-hmm. But the the when you add up all the little problems, it's a bigger problem overall. Yeah. And so I, I kind of want to go through what I've kind of established as a top 10 in my own mind, which, um, you know, I talked to a couple of my buddies about it that, that are also loan officers. And we're like, yeah, that's true. I see that all the time. We kept on talking about it. Yes. And uh, I want to I want to try this out on you. Okay, and that'll I want be fun. You, I want you to to ask questions if you don't agree or disagree or if you have more qualifying questions around it. So am I answering as a average Joe consumer? No, I think that I think that you've got a decent understanding of finances now. So I want you to I'm kind of an expert. Well, obviously, <laughs> uh, at everything you do. Um, but what I do want to do is is I want you to uh, I guess unravel. Okay. What we're talking about uh, and relate as you see fit, um, because there yeah. is a top ten, and so it's 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 easier for people to remember, and we can put it down as a one, two, three, four, five, six. But uh, and by the way, it ends at seven, eight, nine, and ten. Oh, good. Um, but let me just deal with number one, and number one's the most obvious one. The rest of them get to be uh, easier, and I don't think people think this is as big of an issue as it is. But husbands and wives are just simply not on the same page. So let me explain mm-hmm. where I see this all the time in finances. Um, so let's go to the worst case scenario first and back up. But worst case scenario is um, husband dies. Mm. And for the last 50 years, the wife has been uninvolved in the finances because right. typically in a family, one of the two, it could be the opposite, female or male, doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But one person dies and now it's, I see this and I have this conversation all the time with, you know, seniors. Um, of I don't know what to do. And, yeah. and uh, on top of that, I think most people think they've got more time. You know, obviously no one plans the accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had this conversation with 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds as well right. uh, with an une- unexpected loss. Another unexpected loss would be a divorce. You know, yes. I, it, you see that all the time where um, a husband or wife uh, thinks that they have more, can afford more, mm-hmm. um, are, are on track for retirement. And then all of a sudden the divorce proceedings happen and and I'm meeting with uh, the other uninformed spouse only to find out that the credit is wrecked and there's no money left in the bank and all these things. I've always wondered um, why divorce is so hard on credit. So that's another subject, another topic, but Mm -hmm. I've always wondered like what is the, what leads to that outside of yeah, yeah well, I, don't really I, know. I don't know if it's a different subject. I think we can talk about that briefly. Um, at the end of the day, when when a husband and wife are not on the same page, that when it comes to money and when it comes to paying bills, when it comes to understanding credit, when it un- comes to knowing what the cash flow of the of the household is, mm-hmm. inevitably there's there's lots of problems, right? There's absolutely the basics, which is inefficiency, right? You know, when there's lack of communication, uh, basic things happen like a double payment. You know, uh, ah, you yeah. can double if you don't track everything, you can double pay a bill just like you don't pay the bill at all. One, you're losing money. The other one, you're losing or you're just uh, screwing up your credit. Uh, but yes. but that inefficiency is one thing, right? If you think that they're making the payments on something yeah. or they think that they understand the importance yeah. like you do of paying a bill on time. And yep. it's like, OK, not so much. Yeah, uh, I think another piece of it just comes from usually or not usually at a lot of households, there's a uh, it'll work out mentality. Mm-hmm. And then it, when it gets to a point where it's not going to work out when it comes to money or relationship, the problem is it's usually too late yeah. to, or some damage has already been done. Um, so you have that aspect as well. But the, overall, I think that's one of the big issues is just the lack of conversation 
and understanding around money. So what I mean by this is it doesn't require you having a great degree or, or background or knowledge base around money or your family as well. That's ideal. But I think when we, when we really deal with the average consumer, the, the reality is, is that um, w- there's an avoidance mentality on one spouse's side, if they're, if not both, if not both, right. Uh, but there's just no congruency and there's no, uh, goal setting. Yeah. There's no conversation around no it. No conversation about it. So, um, do you feel like that's happened in your own marriage? Do you feel like that's something that is more common than not? Or is it just, a, is it just what I'm seeing? So I'll say this, um, before we got married, we did marriage counseling and it was some of the coolest exercises that he, did marriage counseling. we did. It was four sessions and he had us do some really cool things. We had to draw out a family tree on both of our sides and then bring it to the session. And he walked, we, we walked through together with him, um, areas of, of potential problems. Mm. Uh, so is there any, uh, substance abuse chains? Is there just all sorts of stuff? Is mm-hmm. there divorce? Is that w- so that was really, really good. He had us read the love languages. He had, I mean, just all sorts of things. Um, but money never came up. Money never came up. Um, and I think that would have been really important to talk <laughs> the about basics. the basics, but mm-hmm. it goes back to on another episode, we talked about, you know, you just fall in love, right? That's pretty much all that you're thinking about. Especially, I mean, I, we got married young. We, I was 23. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not something that you think about. Um, right. And so then a couple or several years later, probably before we started budgeting, uh, Randy and I had a conversation about our finances. And I told him, I said, this is, this is just embarrassing to me. And that struck a chord with him in a very big way. I don't know if it was the word. I don't know the word embarrassment. I don't know what it was and really what it boiled down to. And what we talked through in that same exact setting, like right after I said it was, we just have really fundamentally different relationships with money. Right. Very different. And we, and I think that comes from different upbringings and, um, diff- obviously different dynamics and households. And just, just everything kind of. So I, I know that with Randy, one of the things I always loved about him always that I, that I, that I fell in love with him over was his work ethic. Um, and so I knew that that would always be strong, but again, we never talked about the, the dynamics of money and what, how we each feel about it. And going back to the goals, like, what is the goal? What do we want Mm -hmm. for our lives? And what do we want it to look like? What's comfortable for us? So I think it's super real yeah. that, that that would be the number one thing. And, and you probably see it all the time when people come and sit in your office and yeah. you, you know, you ask a question, an important question. Oh, dude, I've got, <laughs> I've got some stories too. Uh, so being in a, as a mortgage banker by profession, right? Um, we have to ask a lot of uncomfortable questions. Right. And, you know, I would assume at least early on my career, not in, in these days, I, I have no presumptions whatsoever. Um, but right. early on in my career, I just assumed that everyone kind of knew what was going on. So just some basic ones, like, uh, I had a client of mine that married, um, uh, a gentleman. Um, the client of mine was a, from a past, had bought a house before 
She had amazing credit scores. She had lots of assets. She was on a great savings plan. And then she met this guy she fell in love with, right? And they they got married and they're trying to qualify for a house to buy. Um, And the guy had literally never paid a bill in his life on time, apparently, because the credit scores were like 400 something. I didn't even know you could go that low. Right. Um, That, you know, there was no money in the bank, even though he made money, right? There was no money in the bank. So it was all coming in one door and out the other. And so, you know, um, when we sat there, we're talking about down payment, you know, she turned to him and said, well, I'll just put down 10% and you put down 10% because obviously logically we're going to put down 20%, right? <laughs> right. Um, and this is probably a 30-year-old, 32-year-old couple. And he looked at her and said, well, I don't have, I don't have $30,000 to put down. And she, like, she, I could see the wheels <laughs> in her head going like, wait a second. Okay. And I said, well, you know, technically we can't have you on the loan because of your credit scores. Like you have to have at least a 580 credit score. And, and she's like, and then she what? said, well, what is this credit scores? And I'm looking at him like, certainly you've told her, right? <laughs> right? Um, and so those are some basic yeah. ones, but I'll tell you the worst one, like to, to t- show just how far off people are when it comes to being on the same page. I'm not going to give too many details in color because, uh, you know, for privacy reasons, <laughs> I will just say that a couple of the questions that you ask when you do a loan application are basics like, have you ever had a, a bankruptcy or foreclosure? Mm-hmm. Um, judgments, are you currently part of a lawsuit? And then right after that, it says, do you currently pay or receive alimony or child support? Uh-oh, I know and where so, this is going. Right, so I'm, I'm literally, <laughs> I'm in the office uh, with this beautiful young couple that have been married for a whopping six months maybe. And uh, I had met them probably two years earlier than that. And so obviously the answers, I'm expecting the answers would be no for alimony and child support. And the answer was no for alimony. And then I said, well, do any pay pay or receive any child support? And she said, nope. And he said, yep. And like, how do you avoid that one? Well, and then the, the air got sucked out of the room. Well, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, in the follow-up question I've got to ask is, okay, well, how much do you, uh, how much do you pay and for how many more years? And how old is this child? (laughs) Well, the, well, that goes back to how many more years you'll be paying. And so the, oh. the answer was like 650 bucks a month for the next 17 and a half years. Oh, okay. And now mind you, they, they've been married for six months. Ouch. So it's literally somewhere within the last year <laughs> of being engaged and or being married, oh. a child was born that wasn't hers and she wasn't aware of. And he somehow made it through the court process because there was a child support order in place. And so, How did, like, well, and he'd been paying it for a few months. So, you know, it's good to be on the good, on the same page, right? <laughs> um, I had, I had this one guy one time, uh, I mean, I guess it's a real thing for some people that they have a senorita or, or sir on the side. Oh, okay. So there, I was asking about the second home. I was like, oh, you have a second home, like, but why is it in the same city? Just 25 miles away. That's where Molly lives. Right. <laughs> and it was, it was for the girlfriend. Um, and he but, literally, but she knew about the, the, Oh no, 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 no. Oh. Because he applied in his own name on his own credit and was really clear that everything's going to be in his name and she didn't need to be a part of it and made sure that every conversation was just between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And so when I was asking about those, like, Oh, that's why you're not on the same page because she doesn't want to know you have another house that you're paying for a senorita. That's crazy. Details. Oh Details. my gosh. So reading each other's bank statements and credit cards can keep a little bit more honesty in a relationship too. Yes. You know, cause the child support came from a paycheck. The, <laughs> The mortgage payment was coming from a checking account. And, uh, you know, I, I love the theory of, uh, you know, we trust everybody till there's no trust. Yeah. Um, but, ju- you know, I'm using those as horrible examples. But I think but that little goes, things happen too. Yeah. I think I think that goes back to you, you had a or have a pretty firm stance on yeah. 
combining money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it because of these stories? Well, I've formed some opinions based on some life lessons I've learned along the way. I mean, yeah. I guess if you're not commingling funds, you can really do whatever you want. Right. <laughs> Let's go on to number two uh, because we could talk about that one forever. But uh, if I can remember my oh, the face thing doesn't work when a microphone's oh, in my face. That's what the go. problem is. So I have to put a code in. Uh, number two, two I put down is the whole like concept of making more, spending more. Yeah. Make more, spend more is a very basic thing that sneaks up on most everybody yes. uh, out there. Um, and it, and it shows itself in weird ways, right? Uh, so bonus shows up. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, a bonus, you know, like a company like USA is a great example. USA has a, a great bonus program. Um, they pay an annual bonus based on performance. That's in a range of five to 15% or whatever it is mm-hmm. every January. Okay. Um, the problem is, is that it's like taking a child to a candy store and saying you can have whatever you want and it's just deposited. Right. So, um, what, what happens quite often is, well, I'm going to buy a car with that, or I'm going to uh, go take the family to Disney or right. whatever. Right. Yep. Um, a, a bigger issue is as raises happen and lifestyles happen, um, there's no, uh, we talked about this on at least one episode before, but there's no deferred, uh, uh right. Gratification. Mm-hmm. Deferred gratification is just not a concept in America these days. Um, I was just at a event this actually today for lunch that talked about San Antonio, which is where I live. I talked about San Antonio, uh, talking about the population of San Antonio will double in the next 12 years, but the average uh, net worth will decrease by 12%. Kind of a weird thing to think about, right? Wow. Um, So there's going to be a whole lot more people, and on average, those people are going to have a net worth that decreases by 12%. So why? What's Um, the... What were the... Well, I think it's starting with... I mean, there's lots of answers, right? I mean, there's definitely uberization of lots of industries. There's definitely lots of jobs that are overseas. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. I'm just saying that there's real things that happen. Sure. Technology for sure replaces people. Uh, machines definitely replace people. Whether people so are... So basically jobs being eliminated. Jobs being eliminated, but also, uh, I hate to say it, but the education system as a whole, in my opinion, in the United States is failing um, as a whole. And so there are people being left behind and, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't work harder because I do believe in like help yeah. up, not, not give them, you know, give a hand up, not just give them. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, for whatever reason, add all those things together and the, the net, the, the outlook, at least here locally is wow. that the average net worth will be decreasing the next you know, dozen years. Um, and so what, what do you do about that or what do you think it is? It's well, it's because um, everyone needs to have what their neighbor has. Everyone thinks yeah. that they need to do what the neighbor does. Um, so I see that happen all the time. Um, I put it down as a totally separate number we'll get into in a second, but the whole keeping up with the Joneses is, is a real issue. But I really think it stems from a uh, we deserve it mentality. It's more of the issue. And a lack of prioritizing, I uh, think. I think that's fair. Like, you know, doing doing things to your house that maybe you don't really need to do, like it's just purely cosmetic or fun or just getting a new car for no reason or that's another thing I see a lot is just well, middle. Well, think about mental health, like comparison in general and mental health. You know, it doesn't matter which uh, you know news channel you pay attention to, but mental health is on a decline, and the comparison, like uh, TikTok videos and all these oh, different man. YouTube ch- uh, channels, um, you gotta have, and the kids believe that they're being measured side by side, day to day. That there's lack of happiness. Yeah. All overall, because there's lack of joy with, with from within, in my opinion. Um, at least that was my personal experience. And so we all know there are uh, maybe you've experienced this, or you, for sure you and I know friends have experienced this. When somebody gets depressed, they'll go out spend it. Or if somebody gets a little bit down, they'll go eat. 
Or right. if somebody gets really down and they, and they have problems with a little bit of alcohol, they have a few extra drinks, right? right? Um, and all that costs money. Uh, Very and, true, yeah. And, it's, and it doesn't solve the root issue, which goes back to being you know joyful in the first place or grateful right. for what we do have. So that whole comparison thing might be the underlying issue. I am not a therapist. I feel like I become a therapist in my office it all the time. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Or we need to put one on staff. Value add. That's well. I do pay for my staff to get therapy every once in a while. That, that's a true statement. <laughs> now we just bring one in house. That might be good. You know somebody? No. Okay. Um, so oh that might be gosh. good. Like, uh, somebody just keep people. It's like you just have like a joyful. special bell in the office when right. you start getting some weird answers from people. Right. It's the therapist, we need therapy bell and she comes running in different <laughs> than the grenade that you pull. The, if you have a complaint, pull the grenade pin. You've seen those before, right? Yeah. Yeah. So opposite of that, like work on being happy, not just blow everybody up. Yeah. That's yeah, a good for thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think that that's probably a second answer that we see as an overall theme as far as a big issue that kind of builds up on you. Um, you know, it's, it's the whole idea of when you end up at a zero sum game. So let's just assume best case scenario, you're not going into debt. Let's just say that you're not going forwards or backwards as a zero sum game, but you have nothing to show for it at the end of the month Oh my gosh! or nothing to show for it at the end of the year. And I think that's a, something I want to keep on beating into people's heads is that overall theme that I believe in is your net worth at the end of every year should be better than the previous year, period, or make a change, whatever it is. I remember um, one one turning moment for me was probably three or four years into being on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I was kind of stepping in in some, some places to help with pre-qualifications. Mm-hmm. I remember being on the phone with a guy. He was a server or bartender and made $90,000 in a year. Which is great. Which is great. Especially since half of it is probably not even taxed or more than half of it. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, then it's like, well, what's a balance, just an estimated balance in your checking account? Well, like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. What about savings? Oh, maybe like a hundred. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, holy moly, like you spent 90 grand last year. Like you made How old 90- was this person? Under 30. If, Holy crap. If I remember correctly, um, that just stood out to me. Living life. So big. Like yeah. you straight up spend 90 grand last year. I hope year. you went around the world and uh, saw like all and the- something right. tells me that wasn't the case. Like, right. so yeah, I mean, it's just like, you don't, yeah, it's just crazy. I love, I love, uh, I don't love, I, I, it's one of those things that like giving you a vivid example of this. Um, I like Vegas. It's a problem for me. I don't need to go very often. I need to go like once a year. I, I need like a short I leash. I feel like that would given. be the most fun trip to ever take. You need like to never Vegas go to Vegas with, with me. No, no, no. Because <laughs> the problem is, is that I think I'm pretty smart and I know numbers. So I know all the odds in most of the games in Vegas. And so I feel like I can beat the system. Yeah. And, 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 if, and usually that's based on time. So if you lose, no worry. It was just a short increment of measurement. <laughs> and I should just keep on doing this for four more days. And that never yeah. ends well. Um, but my point is, is that, um, I'd rather lose in an experience. Like if I pay to go around the world, give it an example, or, uh, I've never been to Vegas before. And so I want to go to Vegas, my girlfriend, uh, by the way, this is old world thinking. I am married happily for a couple of years here. Like, Um, all right. right. So that was a personal example. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Personally. yeah. Molly lives in the the, uh, side. Sanchez on the side. Um, so. uh, Senorita. (laughs) Senorita. Yeah. I hope you don't have Sanchez. (laughs) That's you, right? (laughs) <laughs> we go we we digress oh, we are unraveling we digress <laughs> we are 
apparently. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I, you know, you, you, if you've ever been to some a place like that before, unfortunately, there, you go to a, a bar and they do these things called bottle service, right? So, um, yeah. so now you're trying to go to the, baller. if you, if you think you are, not if you are, if you think you are, you're trying to pretend to be is, is a more accurate statement. Yes. And so you go to some line, the, you know, the hippest bar in the place and uh-huh. you're 25 years old or 22 years old and you, uh, and this is the new bar you got to go to in Vegas. And there's a line from kingdom come to the front door. Uh-huh. And if your girl, it's free for, if you're a guy, it's like 50 bucks or whatever. And you're finally you're in the line and they say, Hey, you can bump this whole line for just buying one bottle or two bottles. It's like, yeah, cool. What's that? I'm a baller. Dang. And it's, and then you see these kids that you know have no money. Yeah. And they're, they're, a bet bottle is a thousand bucks or 1200 bucks. And you're, and you're going to pee it out in 12 hours. Yep. Like it's, it's just the same yeah. glass of beer or bottle or whatever you're going to do. It's nothing yeah. special. And, uh, but it's that mentality. I think that's, a, it is really the problem is that I need to, I need to do that. I need to keep up. Um, Absolutely, it's, it's a big problem. Big so, problem. next one I want to jump into, it, getting a little bit more um, tactical as well, is um, you know I think everyone knows that we're a consumer nation, uh, and I know that we're a creditor nation as well, um, and everyone owes more typically than they actually have on average, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question then, I was posed this by several clients over the years, is what is an appropriate credit card limit? Ah, like yeah. more specifically, like not just none, you know, because we have to have some like tools. For example, um, you have to have a credit card to buy a plane ticket. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to have a credit card. So what's an appropriate limit would be the first question. The second big uh, question issue is at what point do you panic? That's a relative thought too. The moment it enters your hand. Right. Every, um, (laughs) yeah, it's very true. Well, I would panic (laughs) if I was married to you and and the credit card was given to you for sure. Um, but, um, But when you think about that, it's a it's a valid question because everyone's income is different. Everyone's spending habits. Some people have thirty kids. Some people have zero kids. Some people are uh, have some retirement. Some people don't. So what's appropriate? And I thought long and hard about it. And and there's two thoughts that I have in general. Um, if you are a small family and you don't have a separate business, so first answer is for you know. So you're W two. You're a W two employee of some sort. There's really not a reason in the world why you should have more than a $3,000 credit limit ever. If you really think about it, like an emergency a deductible on a, on a medical yeah. major issue, 2500 bucks maybe. Um, if you had to extend your limit at that time, you could for something like that, right? Because, yeah. um, you know, but for a, for a month to month, if you say average income in San Antonio um, for dual families, about 75000 for singles, closer to forty. dollars mm-hmm. um, then you're talking about having a month to two months of take home as a credit limit. That's so if you're really using it as a tool, then you should never really hit that limit based on the spending habits that you should be at. But like how many people do you really think yep. use it as a tool? Well, that's why we're trying to educate people, right? Like, like I feel uh, like they, that's not really the idea of oh, a credit no, no, card no. for most people. Well, and that's the problem. Like going back to these are the top 10 problems yeah. I see is that they get offered 10 grand, they take the 10 grand. Yeah, because it's... But crazy. that's literally for a single person on average, that's three to four months of take-home income yeah. that they were just given. Now, if and when, because we they all do max out that credit card, mm-hmm. they're screwed. Okay. Which goes back to the next question or the other side of it, which I've been asked before, which is at what point should you have a panic button? Like what is the panic stop of, oh crap, my credit's, my credit is getting out of hand. And my answer goes back to the same thought process. Three months of take home. 
you are in for a long haul fix. Unless like you, you get a large lump sum and pay it all towards the credit card. Yeah. So hope that Grampy dies, I guess. Right? right. I mean, but the truth is, is that when you're dealing with, like I see teachers that are, God bless them. They don't make enough uh, for, for what real. they do. For I Ugh. get that. But take, you know, income in Texas might be close to 50,000 for all age groups. So zero right. years of service to 25 years of service. Um, so you've got that. And then you, you say, well, that's, that's gross. That's not net. So netting 30,000. I can't tell you how many teachers I've done loans for that have twenty to thirty thousand dollars of credit card debt. So you're talking about without a serious life adjustment, which once it's done, it's very hard to make those adjustments. Yeah, they're going to go bankrupt eventually. They're going to have to not ever buy a house. They're not going to be able to sell because they're going to be servicing that debt for damn near ever, based on that rule of seventy two. Right. It just takes forever. Yeah, but I think the mentality comes from just making the the minimum payments. Yeah. That's- I mean, that's the... Well, even if they do... Like, so think about like this. You know, just take a 10% interest rate, which most credit cards are higher, higher than, that. than that. right? But, you know, I get some of them will say 0% for six months or people argue that crap all the time or, you know, you might find a really great one that's 7% or something like that. Just use 10%, right? Yeah. 10% on 30,000 is 3,000 bucks of interest a year. That's 250 a month. That is the minimum payment. That is, yeah. So guess what? You still owe the 30,000 after you pay 250 a month for the entire year. So that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. you, you hit that, the critical mass works both ways, right? Critical mass for assets working for you or liabilities working against you. When it gets to a certain point, you are in for, you have to have a transformation. Like we're talking, get on TV and how can I lose 600 pounds in a year, right? right. Um, it's the same mental, yeah. I mean, you think about what fundamentally has to change. Yeah. Everything has to change around those people that are trying to lose 300 pounds. Everything. Everything. And it's the same thing when you're at $30,000 of debt and that's your annual take-home income, Yeah, everything has to change. So what I'm trying to point out is creating that panic button of where should I say, uh-oh, we're starting to get into serious trouble. Not that I could go to my $10,000 limit. I'm currently at three times or two times, three, two to three is the right number, two to three times my net take-home. Something's got to change. There's got to be a canary in the coal mine mentality of, the canary just died. He's dead. I yeah. should run. Like right. if no, if somebody listening is not familiar with that analogy, old school, hundred years ago, um, if you were a miner and you're down in the ground and you're digging and digging and digging, and um, you they, they would take a canary in a cage, literally down there. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that every once in a while they might hit a poisonous gas pocket in the ground, and so it starts leaching poisonous air, and the bird dies first. And the bird. So poor bird, but thank God it's the bird, not you, right? And so you, every once in a while you look around and birds chirping, birds chirping, birds dead. Let's birds, run. Let's, let's change. Let's you got to have that mentality of what's that panic button so we can make some changes before it gets too bad. Yeah. Right? I think... You can't fix dead, by the way. So the canary dies. You can't revive them, right? <laughs> You're following me. You want me to unravel that one? <laughs> <Or is laughs> not that, really. Is that a hard stop? It's a hard stop. Um, I think that this is interesting too is, you know... You've talked a lot about in the past of people's idea of success or how much money is like, oh my gosh, if I could make that much money, mm-hmm. then I would be, that I would feel super successful. Mm-hmm. And, um, usually what we, well, th- these are, this is straight out of your mouth. So I'm just, I'm just taking it, but, um, it typically has to do with what a parent has made mm-hmm. and what you identify with as being. Like, That's funny. There's actually a study about this. So if 
you then reach that number mm -hmm. that you've identified as you've made it or you're successful, mm -hmm. then it almost goes to what does success look and feel like? Which is more of a feeling. Right. And what do I now deserve because I'm successful yeah, and I need well this because this is what successful people have or do. So it really kind of like goes pretty deep with love, mm -hmm. like on what, where people's thoughts and mentality comes from around mm -hmm. spending habits. And I mean, I can certainly see like if you've reached that number, which I always am, it's, it's interesting to see what people's number is. Yep. It is interesting. Yeah. And so just for, for clarity's sake, for what you're talking about, there's a, there, there was a study done years back that, um, I, th I think it was an MIT study. I'm, I'm, I might be mistaken, but I think it was an MIT study that, uh, goes to the emotion of success and defining success. And what was interesting from the study is on average, whatever somebody's, uh, parents made, at the most. At the most. So if they, if they thought their parents made $60,000, if they thought their parents made $300,000, whatever they thought their parents made, when you, they hit that number, that was their definition of success. Very, 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 very close to whatever that number so is, what they think their parents make. And so you're right about that. So uh, I never thought of it that way. If, once you hit success, then why the hell not? Why not? Like, what am I working for now, right? Absolutely. Like, I've arrived. And makes sense. what's in, but what's very interesting and pop culture is, says that I should be doing bottle service because I've arrived because I've arrived. And what's very interesting and where that becomes extremely contradictory and gets us into what you're talking about with mounds of debt is, um, if you, if, if you go around and ask people what their number associated with arriving or being successful is, it's often not, not like uber high. So then now you have this um, average income that is associated with extreme success. That's interesting. And so now it's now the balance is off. Hmm. I just came up with all that just right now. I feel like that was very, uh, well, I like that actually. That very I think there's probably some truth to that. Now I need to figure out if there's some studies around that. Do it. I bet you I can find something. I will look it up. It has to be. Google knows everything. And so, um, so does this brain. Yeah. So, you know, it's a thing. It's a fact. <laughs> all right. Fourth biggest problem or common problem I see all the time. Uh, people pay themselves last, not first. Oh, my as goodness. A, my nana. My <laughs> nana always said, and my brother preaches this daily. Well, nana said, always pay yourself first. Always pay yourself first. Well, I know your story about your brother. So tell me about your brother, what, he, what advice he gave you uh, when you were bartending. Oh, yeah. So he... Um, extremely good with money he very much very much thinks of it as a game and as a puzzle and um when I was in college he and I was bartending I was his advice to me was figure out exactly how much your monthly bills are going to be and every day when you go to work um let me get this right so basically that's the amount that you need to put into the bank so at the end of the night Take all your tips for that week. You siphon off, divide out how much this, that piece needs to be to go into the bank. Whatever's left over, that is your spending money for the week. I love that. I think that's good advice for college kids in general. It is because yeah. if you, for a couple of reasons, in bartending, in waiting tables, there is the idea of taking the first or second cut. 
off the shift, right? Right. And when you do that, typically you're getting cut before you've made any money whatsoever because all the people that are there to work are like, get these people out of here so I can have more tables when it's actually busy and make money. Right. (laughs) So taking those cuts, you make no money, right? But you get a whole night off and you get to go and have fun and do all the things. So it, if you know that I'm either going to have a really fun week next week and be able to eat out and shop and do all the things, I need to stay in work because I got to get past my threshold of what has to go into the bank. That's interesting. So it's like a, it's a mental game. Like how much money well, can I, I get? I love that. And I think the only thing that's, that's missing from that for the, 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 you know, the adult world, right? Right. Is the concept of, you know, are you paying yourself in savings too? Right. Yes. So it's, it's the idea of, when, you, when I think in terms of paying myself first, I think in terms of save your 20% or save your yes. 30%. Mm-hmm. So whatever that income is, whatever it was, this money is going to go over here and it can't be uh, touched forever. So like my kids, you know, I think this, is a, you know, I don't know how long, how, how young is appropriate to start talking about money with kids. Mm-hmm. I think my answer is as soon as possible. Like as soon as they start counting change in dollar bills and kindergarten or whatever they do these days. That's the appropriate time to start talking about money. Um, so, for example, um, giving people. So, when my son does chores with me, so I make him work in my the yard yeah. with me, and and I do child labor law breaks and all this <laughs> stuff, and I make him work hard labor and <laughs> carry around branches and Our dig holes. Our chore list is, right? is encompassing of everything right. that we just hate to do. And he and he <laughs> makes ten bucks an hour, which is not minimum wage, right? Because that's you're, pretty you're, darn good, though. You're a kid, though. You're mm-hmm. ki- right? really good. So I, I don't disagree. I'll send my kids over. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I will put them to work. I've got no problem with putting children to work. Uh, I expect a lot, though. And you don't, and what's uh, a th- couple things I teach off that is an hour is an hour, not 56 minutes. Ah. So if you quit before the hour is over, you get $0 for the entire hour. Dang. Um, would be one. Um, but then it's what you do with the money, too, right? So it used to be um, kid wanted a Nerf gun. And so Mason would say, hey, how much is the Nerf gun? I'd tell, tell him 35 bucks. He's like, well, how many hours is that? It's three <laughs> and a half hours. So then you think about it. It's like, I don't really I want don't the Nerf really gun that much, that. right? Yeah. So it was a deterrent at first. But I like that, right? It makes you think about what you're doing with it. But then it got to, hey, dude, why don't you just go ahead and come and work for, for four or five hours, and then we can go to Toys R Us and see if there's anything you want, right? Yeah. So now we, we go to the second stage and take, the, take Mason over there, and he's got the money. He earned it. He can do whatever he wants with it. But now he's like, I don't think I want, like, now I did, I've worked this hard. I've got the money. I now I don't want to part, part with it, right? Yeah. And then we go to, um, do you want to give away any money? You have the conversation about, okay, dude, you're pretty lucky. You know, you, you, you had the opportunity to earn 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you want to take care of this organization? Do you want to buy some Girl Scout cookies? Because at least you'll get cookies and it'll take care of an organization. Oh, that's so nice. Um, it's so good to instill. You know, uh, hey, you want to do presents for your, for your sisters? Right, yeah. It's amazing how generous my son is. I got to brag on Mason. That's dude. That little awesome. lover. He, he worked one time for four hours in this case, and we went to uh, Green. And my oldest daughter, Aubrey, wanted a Yeti, right when Yetis came out, the Yeti cup, one of those, uh, um, what color is it? Turquoise. It's turquoise oh, yeah. Yeti's cup. And it was for right when the color scheme had come out gotcha. for it. And Aubrey was like, I don't want this. I was like, well, cool. You don't have any money, so you can't buy it. Mason had just earned his money. And he literally was like, Dad, I want to buy that. I was like, bud, she would not do that for you. Yeah, be clear. And <laughs> you just worked four hours. Are you sure? He's like, no, no. 
she deserves it. Let me buy that it for her. That is like, precious. He's a, he's a good kid. That is precious. Um, uh, so I have to tell this story This because this is right in line. So uh, Saturday night, mm-hmm. Walker wanted to watch Happy Gilmore, okay? And it used to be on Netflix, so mm-hmm. it was free, right? Um, couldn't find it on Netflix. The only place we could find it was, well, there were several places, but what we had was Amazon Prime, just mm-hmm. three ninety nine. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, happy, they've seen the movie like a hundred times. Mm-hmm. I really, like, this is so dumb. I don't want to pay three ninety nine for this movie. But So I asked him, I said, By the way, pause there. Uh, that's a good thing. Like, most people think, oh, so it's only three ninety nine. Oh my gosh, like I ding, hate that. Ding, ding, yes. Ding. Bye, I, bye, 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 bye. Ab- Good for you. So I applaud you. I appreciate that. So I looked at Walker. I said, Bud, do you have $4 of your own money to watch this movie? What I was, all I wanted to know is if he would pay $4 of his own money to watch a movie that he has seen multiple times. And he sure did go and get $4 and said, Here you go. I'm like, okay, like if you're willing to pay it, and now you're invested, <laughs> right? Like, That's interesting. <laughs> so I thought that was super cute. <laughs> That's interesting, yeah. Um, so to wrap that one up, when I think about paying yourself, it goes back to the law of 30, 30, 10, 30. So you got to start with the end in mind. And if the end in mind is I want to save 30% of my gross income, mm-hmm. then you first make that choice of I'm going to put, whether it's saving 1000 bucks, saving 500 bucks, saving 5000 bucks. I don't know what the number is for the, their budget, but 30% is 30%. It's not 25%. Putting that aside and then working everything else around, paying the bills, paying right. taxes, paying everything else after you pay yourself. And I think that's a big issue that we see um, because there is no plan to start with, right? Right, um, for sure. Past that, um, <laughs> cars. Cars are a problem. Uh, you could lump in iPhones too or phones I mean, in general. Cars, but cars, holy hell. Yeah. Um, Why are they so expensive? Well, it's crazy. I mean, the truth of the matter, at least in San Antonio, where the cost of living is pretty good. You, you know, most people's car payments combined for for two people is more than their what their mortgage payment would be if they could qualify for the house because they if spent they their money the on the cars. <laughs> I'm car not now. joking. I see this <laughs> dozens of times a month, dozens yeah. of times a month. So... Um, you know, this, this need to always buy new, uh, this desire to have the newest model, Mm -hmm. this theory that I didn't lose that money. I I got, you know, a trade in value of 75%, but you lost 25%. What I want people to understand is that it's a depreciating asset. I mean, in every, yeah, you don't make money on cars. (laughs) Like uh, somebody's gonna argue with me. Somebody's gonna, please feel free to post that I'm wrong. Because you're the smart guy that buys a car for five grand, puts a thousand bucks into it, and sells it for seven. Cool on you. Most people, this sucks. In the, in the, their, but you did buy used to start with, so don't. You can't kid me here. I am literally the worst example of a car owner. Like, <laughs> do we need to work on it? I mean, no. I have a great. <laughs> I have a great story. I'm gonna let you keep talking, but I have a great story about why budgeting is so important and what it did for me and my car purchase. <sighs> I you was actually part of that You want to hear it now? Go ahead. So because I knew exactly what my spending or my budget for a monthly car payment was, I held so firm with the car salespeople, which by the way, there's not a lot of negotiating anymore and it was not near as fun because I came in like, I know exactly what I need, not a penny over so I really thought there would be more negotiating room. There really wasn't. Um, but 
there were multiple times where I could have be just just laid down and said, you know what, whatever, it's it's a it's fifty dollars more than we had put into the budget, like whatever. But I didn't. That's awesome. And it would have been, yeah. yeah, it would have been, because be, I think at, at a certain time, car, buying cars takes forever. No matter how you, no matter how you cut it, it takes forever. So I think a lot of the times you're just tired. You're tired mm -hmm. of looking. You're tired of haggling or whatever. You're tired of talking about it. You found what you wanted. Let's just get the deal done so I can GTFO, right? <laughs> and I was so, so passionate yep. and clear about what my payment well, you could went be. With the plan. You didn't make an emotional purchase. There was zero emotion. And mm -hmm. it, as a result, it did take me like 45 days to get mm -hmm. the car, but I have literally not a penny over what your budget was, <laughs> what the budget was. Yeah. So let's unravel that a little bit because I'll, I'll just give some, some basic thoughts around this to go with. Um, the emotion typically starts with, like you said, like what your definition of success is, what you deserve to be driving. But then you take it a step further, and what's the first thing that every car guy says when you say, hey, let me take a look at this car. What's the first thing they say? You're going to love it. It's a great deal. How about get in it and drive it? Oh, yeah, 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 too. Yeah, yeah. because when let's you get in and that smell that, yeah, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> when you get in there and experience it, right, now you're getting to the, the, the leather puppy smell. puppy dog clothes. Yes. <laughs> now you're experiencing it. It's very difficult to walk away from that puppy dog clothes, which yeah. is when you smell the pu puppy breath and, yeah. and the puppy fur you're going to buy, right? Mm -hmm. And price doesn't matter, by the way. And then I love that you brought in the whole idea of like you're being worn down. Um, so you get in your first negotiation with the first sales guy. Say, nope, I don't want it. It's too high. What, what do they always say? Oh, let me go back to the numbers. Let me go get my manager. Let me go get my manager yeah. so that they can wear you down some more. And then right. I'll be the nice guy and he'll be the mean guy. And we'll keep on working back and forth right. until you die and just give us what we want. Right. Um, now, that's not the experience with all it's car not. salesmen. It's I get that. Yeah. I get no, that. Yeah, I, yeah. I've got a very dear friend of mine. I'll just say Jason's his first name, but a uh, very dear friend of mine owns a, a car dealership locally. I know they don't do it that way. It's just, yeah, it's what it is. here's the numbers, here's, here's the price, and, and I think they're that being was, squeezed in their industry too. They are, and I think that's where the no no negotiations kind of yep. comes in. And not that they were non-existent, yep. um, but I I walked out of three car dealerships, and I was told that that is... Have you ever done anything like that before, ever? Never okay. in a million years. That's awesome. Never. And, but I was told, like, yep. they don't let you leave. They were like, bye. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it's so weird. I'm like, is this where they, like, come and, like, chase after me and, like, beg for my business? That's funny. Nope. That never happened. But um, I also didn't get a payment that I wasn't comfortable with. Yep. And one of the things that people do, and, and this is just really the biggest issue money-wise when it comes to cars, is um, they don't ever drive the car long enough to catch up the equity gap. That's usually the problem. So what I mean by that is they go buy that new car for 40000 um, They turn it back in in two years, get the newest model. Mm -hmm. They owe 30000 on it, but it's worth 20000 okay. So now they add the $10,000 that they're under to their next car loan when they go buy their next new car. And so now they're... You can roll that over? Uh, to an extent, yeah, not all of it, but there's, there, you know, the each lender's a little bit differently about how they do things, but most people end up rolling over and over and over this kind of equity buildups and other, uh, kind of like a credit card almost, they're paying interest and making payments on a card that they no longer own anymore. Oh. So they, and, and it might be a smaller number, a thousand, five thousand buck gap might be a more normal average as far as what that is. But it's still, you're still making payments on something you no longer even own. Oh, my gosh. So you drove off the lot. The, the immediate value decreased by a couple grand, five grand. 
the higher the sales price, the more it drops. Um, you know, this that deferred gratification thing. You know, it, drive the damn thing till it dies, till it blows up, till it literally where the cost to repair it's worth more than what it would be repaired. That's when you know I drove this thing yes. to extinction. It's worth it's worth yes, a car. or like. Or if, if I, it prevents you from a reliability standpoint of getting to the job to make money. Reliability like or, too. you know, one thing that I was feeling really strongly about was I need to, like, get this traded in before I don't have anything to trade in. Like, if okay. it's not, I don't know. Like, that's how I felt. I don't know if it's right or wrong. But at least when I traded it in, and I was kind of at the point where it, I was just tired of making repairs. It was paid off. Um I just, the, uh, the, re- the reliability factor was gone, but I knew if I drove it too much longer, like I'm not gonna, they're not going to give me anything for it because it's not going to yeah, work. I mean, it's not going to um, work. I like that it was paid off. That's the biggest thing that you said. It was like spot on and you've already made some repairs spot on, um, reliability for sure. But believe it or not, my advice to most people would be it's cheaper to pay that thousand dollar repair bill every year Ugh. than it is to make the $500 m- m- a payment every month. I know, but you can't budget for unexpected happens like you can but you can oh what we we do we, we do, do but like it sucks it's, well <laughs> this is the key right it's an annoyance fee is what you're paying for yes like, and it's time it's very very time consuming time once car a year show. well this okay in my case and it wasn't once get, a year though <laughs> it was we can keep arguing <laughs> about this i'm trying it, to give good advice I know. well you did okay you can, you, you definitely but I think, guided me I, through but the No, but I think what's cool is process. that you're making the arguments that I think everyone has in their head. Yeah. That, that this is a valid thing is the point. It's what, what you're feeling is normal. And we get to the point where it's like, well, shoot, I don't want to fix the transmission. It's going to be 1000 bucks, And I, my trade-in value is only 5000 Well, it's like your trade-in value is 5000 So fix the damn transmission and drive it for another 100,000 miles if you can. Yeah. Not everyone has the reserves to do it, right? Not everyone yeah. has the credit card limits to do it. But the answer is drive the damn thing till it doesn't work is the best answer, ideally. Um, what do they say? The uh, You look at the billionaires of the world. I mean, there's a long list of billionaires now, a couple hundred. But um, just go to the uh, Oracle of Omaha, right? Warren Buffett. Go, uh, go look at uh, Bill Gates. These guys are famous for, draw, for driving 20-year-old yeah. cars, Right. They're billionaires. They can have a new car every day. New right. car. Screw yeah. this. I want to get a Ferrari today. Nope. I want my truck today. Nope. I want. They have a fleet. But what do they do? Just keep driving Just it because it's no, there's it. there's no yeah. emotional tie to it. That's yeah. the key. There's no emotional tie to it. So um, somewhere in between, I, I I get that you can't be buried with your money. So you got to live life too. Well, I mean, I think but, that's it's you know. But we can start removing. Like I love that you went in and negotiated unemotionally. You have the better chance of a better outcome than the average person. That's the key. It's just about leveraging up, right? So next one. Um, Number six. Uh, This is a big one. It's amazing how many consumers take their parents' advice on crap that their parents don't know anything about. Unqualified advice. Unqualified advice. Or the neighbor or the best friend. No, the best friend. (laughs) I think about how many people... It's not an argument about Bitcoin, okay? But I, I can't imagine how many people actually bought Bitcoin at its peak because everyone else said, hey, you can be a millionaire by buying Bitcoin. Now, that is true that there are millionaires that that yeah. uh, were created by Bitcoin when they bought it six years ago. But on average, the guys that bought Bitcoin two years ago are certainly not millionaires because it's done nothing but go down. Yes, there's been some ups, but it's been down in the last couple of years. Um, 
So when you think about, oh, dude, I, I work at this company. It's about to go. It's about to go public. You should buy lots of stock. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm glad that you're uh, an employee, and I'm glad that you're excited about your company. That you should keep working there if you're excited about it. <laughs> it does not mean that the company is going to make you a million bucks, right? So the unqualified advice, I think, when it comes to anything, how to invest, uh, what, how to repair credit. Oh my God. Oh. Like the, there are scam artists out there that you get to pay. You get to, yeah, you to get to fix pay. your credit. So if you're paying a monthly subscription to have your credit fixed from the company's perspective, they want you to fix your credit quickly or take as long as freaking possible. Oh, that's there such are a hard lots one. of companies out there that will happily take your 30 bucks to 300 bucks a month right. indefinitely with promises of delusions and grandeur. And the reality is, is that um, there are just like anything else. Absolutely. There are definitely good companies that do a good job of fixing credit. Uh, but for the most part, uh, it's not in the, the client's best interest, right? Right. And it, it can all be done for free. Yeah. With a qualified, with qualified advice. With absolutely. Advice, it can be done for free. It just, it just <laughs> sucks to get through yeah. it. Honestly, it just sucks. To yeah. And this goes back to something I'm really passionate about in general. You know, I, I love goals. I love goal setting. I love uh, New Year's resolutions. And I'm one of those weirdos that loves it and wants to do something about it. But I'm really clear, like, who to ask for uh, accountability partnerships from mm -hmm. and who to ask me, uh, you know, to hold me accountable to talk to me about my goals, who to get advice about how, how to strategically accomplish them. And it's not the same person for everybody. Meaning, um, you know, I believe in the, there's six, seven areas of your life you got to work on at all times, whether it be your, your money, your physicality, or your, your family relationships, your friend relationships, your work relationships, your love life spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of different areas that, that uh, um, a, a company called The Core that I've, I've been part of for years taught me to, to work on. I do not think that one size fits all and that one coach can coach you in all six or seven areas. Yeah, for sure. Um, there is one guy or one girl that should be the authority for you when it comes to your money. Mm -hmm. And it better be a really trusted authority Ooh, yes. because you're banking your future on it, right? Yeah. Like, don't go ask your friend... Now, this is not speaking directly to you, but I think the average person knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. If you are having problems with your relationship with your spouse, please don't go ask a divorcee best friend yeah. their advice on relationships. It didn't work for them. It didn't work. And yet it's amazing. Oh, screw that guy. You should come out and have a good time. You don't deserve that. He oh. should treat you better versus going to talk to the married couple that it's not all perfect, but been, that's been happily married by all accounts for 40 years. They'll all tell you, yeah, there was fights, but get back in the ring and figure it yeah. out and don't go to sleep angry and, and somebody's got to be the bigger person, do the random acts of kindness and, and that's the person you want to be getting advice from. They're qualified to give the... Yeah, or someone that you look at whatever area of life you're talking about, yep. if it's marriage or, or, or uh, fitness or whatever, yep. um, somebody that you look at and you're like, I like that. Yep. Like that is, that's the version that I yep. want. Um. And find a good match. Yep. Find a good match. But yeah, you're right. I'm going to take like this to a different level too. There's got to be transparency around it. So let me just talk, since it's a money conversation, I'll give you a great example. Okay. Um, if you're like, you should directly ask your financial planner how much money they have. Steve. You should directly ask your financial planner, where do you invest your money? And if there's any difference between where they invest their money versus what they're recommending for you, if you're at least in the similar age and I was going to say, class. how does that differ uh, yeah, from because age? Age-wise, it's going to be different in allocation. But if they can't show you, like, this is where I put my money money, and where I put my money over time, and this is why I do it. And by the way, I'm a multimillionaire, and that's why you should listen to me. 
Um, if they're not willing to show you or tell you what their money, what their money situation is, run for the hills. Right. Right. Uh, and so, that, that, that's to all areas. Like, let's be honest. There's not a married couple in the world that hasn't had one fight. At least I would argue, at least if they've been married for 15 years. I mean, right. So if you, if you go to that mentor or somebody that's, that you're trying to get advice from and say, Hey, tell me about the worst fight that you worst ever, fight you worst ever had. fight you ever had. Yeah. If they say, no, nope, been perfect always, run for the hills. <laughs> yeah. Run for the hills. Like, so back to financial planners. Um, what outside of asking directly that, what other are, what other things are good indicators that they're good? Uh, I'm a pretty blunt person. Like the financial planners I work with, I ask directly how much. But you, I feel like that, be, that comes from a confidence that you have around okay, money. Okay. So if you take someone like, like me or like anybody else that. I'm a little bit more confident now as demonstrated by the car purchase, <laughs> but, um, I would find it very uncomfortable to sure. ask a financial planner that. And so I imagine most people would testimonials would okay. be my first answer. Like, um, it's amazing to me. Great example. It's amazing to me how many people hire, including ourselves over time, how many people hire employees, but never do a check with the previous, uh, bosses. Right. Same thing with financial planners. So, uh, hey, wizard, you've been, you know, financial planning for 20 years and you're old and gray now, but I'm young and, and spry. Mm -hmm. So I want you to give me the names and number of five clients that have worked with you for 20 years that will give you a testimonial. And by the way, they legally shouldn't be able to give you their names and numbers. It's protected. So if they give you the name and numbers, that's a problem. <laughs> that's um, a but what they can certainly do is say, yeah, no problem. Let me ask my clients for permission. I'll happily have you talk to them. Or uh, the other thing is if you're, I didn't, I didn't even think about this, but if you're seeking out people that, um, would be good financial coaches for you, oh, yeah. then asking them who theirs is. Yep. Yep. Right. In order to be a good coach, you have to be a good student. Right. So what, that's what you, I think you're leaning on. And I think it's absolutely right because things change. If you're still doing the same money management skills, same stock investment strategies from 20 years ago as today, the there's been a lot of techn uh, technology shifts. Yeah. Um, company changes, you know, uh, I can't, yeah, I'm trying to watch what I talk to my financial planner, so I can't give st specific stock advice. But an example is I'm personally invested in a stock that today lost 15%, um, in value today. And when you do the, the reading about why they overstayed their sales ex expectations and they have shoddy accounting is what's in the, in the news reports, right? Yikes. Um, so it's an interesting conversation, but uh, if somebody was asking me advice about why inv invest in what I can tell them, but I'll also be able to show them like, hey, listen, like there's risk involved. Here's a loss that I took. I took a 15% right. loss in a day, in Ugh. a day. Um, um, but I, I think, think transparency as a whole is, is the key. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is, uh, you know, when you're seeking out these mentors or these coaches or accountability partners or whatever, um, sometimes it can be a little nerve wracking to even ask like, Hey, you know, I want you to do this for me. Or can we have a conversation about your experience with money, fitness, love, whatever. Um, but I think just remembering that it's a huge honor to most people to be asked. To be asked. Yep. So if someone, if, if you get a call or I got a call with, and said, somebody said, I think you have like the picture perfect marriage and I want you to tell me what the, the secret sauce is. I would be like, Yes, 100%. Yep. So I think getting out of our own way in that regard too, to just bite the bullet and have the conversations and call the people that, you know, you don't think would ever take your call or they yep. think it's, you know, going to be weird that you're calling. Like, nope. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll give you just a great example. It's also ma- amazing when you put stuff out the world, how many people will help you. Oh, right? Yes. So I'm not a big social media guy personally, but what I will tell you is that um, it's amazing to me. Uh, Ryan Avery's a great example. So Ryan Avery, uh, if you look him up, he's a world champion of public speaking. He decided to be a world champion with six months heads up, having never done a public speech ever. So, so awesome. he literally put out the internet to his YouTube channel of, hey, guys, give me some tips. I've never done this crap before, but I want to be the best. <laughs> and, a, you know, both good and bad comments came in, but lots of people reached out and, 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 and wanted to help, right? So an example I did, as you know, this year, and it reminded me I've got to do this. I've still got two more people to go, is um, I wanted to interview five billionaires this year, if you remember. Oh, yeah. I've gotten three this year. Right. So, but you you know, I'm a small guy. I'm not a billionaire. I've got like, I'm missing an extra comma here. Um, (laughs) uh, my point is, is that, um, I think in my head, I was like, ah, this will, this will be hard. Like people will probably say, no, there's only that I'm aware of five billionaires in San Antonio as an example, three of the five, like took the call, found a friend of friend, got the introduction, sat down with like, and all I wanted to do was say, like, okay, Yoda, how do you do it? Tell me, I want to be like you. Like, what would be some life tips? Mm-hmm. Uh, or just going to a present, like uh, Trinity University hosted, uh, 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 has a program bringing in speakers and every once in a while, I have billionaires in the speaker list. And so you're like, okay, like, let's go sit at the table closest to them and ask some freaking questions, right? Okay, so walk us through that because just like what the conversations sound like when you, on, um, like when you call so, them to say, yeah. So, um, well, one of them, so let me get this right. So one of them was Trinity diversity. Two of them were friends of friends. So okay. I asked, I, I, I found ways to them, you know, it's the law of yeah, like the Kevin Bacon rule, right? Find a connection. Sure. Just say, Hey, listen, I'm super impressed by what you've accomplished in your lifetime. I'd really like to just sit down and ask you some questions. There's nothing in it for you. There's nothing in it for me. I just want to gain some knowledge. Like I'm not trying to buy anything or sell you anything. Like I'm just trying to learn. And going back to what you said, it's amazing. Like people that have achieved are happy to tell you how because somebody did it for them or hundreds of people did it for them. Lots of people that are successful, almost all, if not all, did it with other people's help. Almost all. So do you think that Mm -hmm. that as a person, you have to be qualified to earn their time? Like I'm not big enough. I'm not. No. Okay. Because... Uh, by definition, all but like 250 people are not qualified to ask. They're the billionaires of the world, right? There's only oh, a couple. Yeah. There's only a couple hundred of them, um, and so w- w- that's my my point of view is like, hey, dude, I'm the little guy too. I'm no, I'm no different than somebody that has ten thousand dollars in the bank yeah. compared to this billionaire, right? Um, and so, but if you don't ask, you don't get. And so, seeking out is a big thing. So fun. But it's about getting qualified mentorship, getting qualified advice. Not you only have sixty days. You might want to get on that. Well, it, uh, it encouraged me. Ask if me y'all about know any billionaires, Josh needs to meet them. I do need. I do need to meet two more billionaires. So if anyone do, knows somebody, a, a phone call, a, a Skype, a I will fly out. If somebody knows a billionaire, I'd like to talk to them. Um, outside of that, next one. Number seven, and this is an interesting one, and we went through this a little bit in our budgeting conversation. Uh, it is um, recurring subscriptions, bills, Ugh. right? So I think in terms of cable, gym, Netflix, Audible, anything that you can sign up because you know you're going to use it for sure. Um, it's an ongoing issue I see with my clients. It's been a, it was was an issue in my household early on. It for it sure was yours too. Me, yeah, daddy. yeah. So um, I'll just give an example. Like I just know a million and one people that have signed up for a gym membership seven years ago, haven't been to the gym in six years. Well, and it's on hold though. Of, of course, right? <laughs> um, 
It's a problem. It's a yes. and again, it's only twenty bucks. It's only fifty bucks or five, right? Uh, what five for whatever Netflix or whatever? It, the point is, is that if it's never used, it should not be there. It's yeah. still a drain on your asset. It's yes. a drain. Yes. So yes. it's an ongoing problem. So, uh, c- cutting the cable tie. Um, shoot, I just heard like uh, you know you can even count a phone bill in this, and it's a weird way to say that because everyone needs a phone bill. I get that, but just taking the price for granted and never arguing like i think in terms of cable goes up over time uh satellite bills go up over time yep but yet if you just call any of them and say hey i'm about to switch from cable this to satellite they say wait a second you qualify for this program for new people that you only have to pay half that for the next year it's like amazing then why don't you just offer that to me day one right right? yeah how about Um, a loyalty program not a like a new new person that we're going to screw over time because they stop paying attention because it works because when you don't pay attention it works and so that's an ongoing issue i see yes i would yes i'll just say yes (laughs) it's just the thing and it's the gym like if if you're going to do that you might as well like buy something to have at your house that you you have to look at and be disgusted with yourself rather than (laughs) just every 30 years looking at your bill and saying oh shoot i'm still paying for that gym membership um, the other thing too, is really looking at your electricity. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, your like electricity bills get completely out of control. And so turn off the damn lights. Yep. Like, let's just have a 30 day challenge to turn off the freaking lights. Let's every live once in the in a dark. While. Everyone carry a candle. <laughs> I mean, that's the way I like it anyway. <laughs> so I mean, let's make it cold, turn off the lights and let's cuddle and save some money. You know what? That <laughs> was a convincing argument. And I'm like, okay, if I can get some cuddling out of it. I mean, right? I, I, I will I will light a fire in the fireplace for the Absolutely. heat. It's going to be just fine. Absolutely. Um, next one, number eight. All right, so a different variance of keeping up with the Joneses, but this is a serious budging issue I see every every year with lots and lots and lots of parents in the world. And what I'm talking about is kids' birthday parties and Christmas. Hmm. And <laughs> you can wrap in Hanukkah. You can wrap in. It's not a faith thing <clears throat> that we're talking about. What we're saying is, it's amazing to me. So I just, re- let me just relive uh, my personal hell early on. Okay. <laughs> and I'm joking. Cause is this I, as a child or as yeah, a husband uh, <laughs> or no, father? I would never say any of that. So let me just <laughs> rephrase what I said, but this is, I think there's some people in the, in the, in the audience that would agree with me. Right. So uh, my idea growing up, I think about like, I think I might've had three or four birthday parties. I can remember. I for sure though remember Chris McCullough uh, that, the present, and I, can, I definitely have enjoyed watching my kids the same way. If I buy my kids five things, and I'm sure that these two most expensive things are the ones that they're going to like the most, they play in the box. Absolutely, yeah. Right? They, like yeah, the, give, the freaking box that we wrapped wrap. it with. with the bubble, <laughs> like they jump on the <laughs> bubble wrap when they're kids. It wasn't the freaking thing that you bought, but you think about you know, the advertisement for the toy of the year or the game of the year or whatever my kid has to have. They have to have the phone. They have to have the computer. They have to have to have to have, right? And, and so, so even families that do budget and they, they do make good choices most of the year, they somehow mentally justify for the holidays of, we got to do this. for the, We have to blow it up for the kids. Oh. And then and they, everyone else right. that, they, that we come in contact with. I'm saying right. we because. Every this mom, dad, my, sister, I'm brother, aunt, uncle, club. cousin, <laughs> nephew, third cousin, friends, 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 and friends, 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 right? Yeah. Um, and so I think this is a real thing to talk about because it's amazing to me how many people start off in the hole in January because that's when the credit card bill comes due. Yeah. They've got to pay for Christmas, right? So a strategy that I, I, I when, when I do get in these dialogues with some clients of mine or friends of mine, my spouse of mine, 
uh, is working on what is the budget for the What's event. What's the budget? Like, yes. We, we don't blow the budget. The budget's the budget. If you have a budget a company and you blow the budget, you get fired. Uh, honey, I'm not going to fire you. <laughs> You're not going to fire me. But we have to have a budget, and you have to think about it that way yeah. and, you, and planning for it early. Uh, we start making emotional buys. It's amazing to me how many parents, myself and my wife included, uh, will end up um, – Two days before Christmas, there's not enough presents under the tree. Oh my gosh! And so yes. we have to get filler crap to put yeah. under the tree that was that. That they were pissed because we have to wrap it all and we're up all night. Right. It's what is wrong? Yes, yes. So, how do you rectify that situation? I've got my own ideas, but okay. So, I could be the president of this club, so I'm just gonna <laughs> say that. Um, but I've gotten better. So, cash. I mean, like literally a cash, like pull cash out and go shopping. Um, th- before I started heavily shopping online, um, we would literally make a list of every person that we were buying for and what we were going to get them. And then we would categorize it by store mm-hmm. and we would get it all done in one day. <laughs> I love that. Um, so that kept us really, really on track. Um, then we got a little squirrely when I realized we were, the time was being squeezed. We were busier. Mm-hmm. We now don't have that day or two to like really focus on mm-hmm. Christmas, which is also sad. Um, but then we went to Amazon or online shopping. And um, so just being really, really clear about what the budget is. But again, remember, we don't have, I don't use a credit card. So we have to physically move that money over to a card to be able to pay it. to be able to use it. Yep. So it is kind of a cat. I mean, it's, it's cash. That's good. Um, so it avoids going to debt and it kind of makes you stay on point. And I do think one thing that helped too was having a different budget for the kids. So like this mm-hmm. is the budget for the, um, non-immediate family. And then this is the budget for the kids. Mm-hmm. So that way you get, you feel like, you know, you can do more or whatever. But the other thing is it all has to come out of that too. It's not just presents. This is where I get hung up mm-hmm. every year. This is where I like everything hits the fan is all the little stuff that comes up along the way. All the white elephant gifts, the baked goods, the class parties, the decoration that has crushes to be budgets, crushes, yep. crushes. Yep. It is literally bleeding to death by a paper cut. Which and we is justify it because it's the season. It's or if it's even justified at all, like I do it kicking and screaming, like it <laughs> sucks. It really sucks. But every time you turn around, it's something, yep. it's something, it's something, it's something. So, um, it's you just starting way early, starting I way early with the idea of how much you're going to spend. I think you hit like several things on the head, which is first come up with your list and make sure it's the real list. Like mm-hmm. just because cousin Joe's going to be at the party doesn't mean that cousin Joe needs a present. Yes. If you haven't seen cousin Joe in three years. Yes. Um, so start with the list and really uh, knock it down. Number two, have a overall budget because I think people don't add it up. So oh. I can get thirty or fifty bucks for everybody, or twenty or thirty bucks for everybody. But when they have forty people on the list, it's a problem, it's right? So much. Um, so come up with an overall budget that's appropriate for your income, right? Not what your na- I don't care what my neighbor makes. I don't care what this surgeon makes. Like um, that's their household budget. So based on what your income is, what's the appropriate amount of money to spend? Because is it in alignment with your long-term goals when the kids aren't going to even recognize what this is and they're going to play in the box? I don't know. Really quick, though, too. mm -hmm. I think it's almost – you never know what somebody else's 
viewpoints and mm -hmm. thought processes are around money. Mm -hmm. Like you could have very similar incomes, but they don't believe in saving or whatever. And they're mounds and mounds in, in debt. So yep. you feel like you may not have as much or you're like, how do they like get, what are they doing? Comparison is a thief of joy. Yeah. Like it's not, yep. um, you just never know. Yep. You never know what someone's financial thought process is. So you just have to like not even go there. Yep. Not and I'll, I'll tell there. you that the two things that have made probably the biggest impact on me and for, and my, and my, uh, kids and Christy, um, really come back to, yes, I understand there's emotion around all this, right? I get that. And this mm -hmm. is the one area that I get emotional about because I'll tell you what my feeling is, is I feel wasteful. I feel very wasteful mm -hmm. in the holiday season. Like I, I it's yeah. definitely a season of joy. I want to take care of people mm -hmm. and I do, but I do feel wasteful when I'm buying stupid crap, lots so of guilty. it. So I feel guilty about it. Right. Yeah. So then it goes back to a gratitude issue. Right. So then I've got to focus on, well, what am I grateful for? Cause what am I feeling the void with? Why am I buying all this stuff? Right. Um, and so one of the, the two things I was going to say is we took our, our children, um, I guess this is two years ago, three years ago, maybe three years ago, we sponsored a family and we wanted to take, deal with all their presents. Right. And so, um, you know, we took a portion of the budget we were going to do for, for gifting for our own children. We decided we were going to, you know, buy all these presents for this, this family that had come on really hard times. They had several kids and, um, you know, we went and bought, it was another family that we did it together, um, we bought bikes and things like that. I mean, they were all ages. They were probably youngest mm -hmm. age two, oldest age 12. So my kids got to watch like, w you know, wait a second. This is all they're going to get, which kind of resonated like, hey, d guys, like it's not about us. Let's take care of the world. Let's do the other yeah. stuff for other people. Right. Yeah. Um, donating your time when, you know, when Elf Louise or whatever things that we can do for others really grounds me. I'd rather write. I, I would write a three times the budget for my family to others. Then yeah. give that three times to my own children, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah. I think that's a real thing, though. And if we can get hooked on taking care of others, then we don't feel that need to do this stuff with us. The second thing is, uh, and, and, and my kids and I have had this conversation many times, is if we're gonna if you if we're gonna buy you three five seven ten presents whatever gets you you have to get rid of three times that and give it away to goodwill oh yeah right so we call like, it giving it to the kids yep so Let's cool if kids. you want a new stuffed animal you gotta pick three that we're yeah. gonna give to goodwill that's awesome no yeah. problem at all nerf gun cool find three that we're gonna give to goodwill um and and the concept is is like hey listen like this it, it yes we we've been very blessed and we have some abundance here but the, but abundance versus waste is totally different and, and so, it clears out space huh, yeah Decluttering. Right? Um, something that we've been really toying with. I Christmas is my favorite. It right. it's it's my favorite. I love everything about it. And um so my root is very traditional. Mm -hmm. And something that my entire family has really been talking about is traveling for Christmas, which means no presents. Yep. Love that. So um, experiences. They will remember the, ex they, they will, will remember the experience. They're not gonna remember what present they got. It is birthday. so hard for me to make the switch. I'm like, I just don't like, what are we going to do? Like, what do we wake up in the morning? Like, so anyways, that's yeah, another idea. That. So just to solve that home, there has to be a budget. The budget should be appropriate. You should pre-think it out and buy all at one time. However, you're going to buy it so that it's all done and you mm -hmm. feel the expense. You have to feel the expense. And yes, giving is giving, but the love is not based on what you buy. Right. right. When it really comes down to it, go back a hundred years, 200 years, 300 years. Like I remember my mom talking about during Christmas, like she would get something reasonable, like, I don't know, new shoes for school. Like that would be the present. Yes. You go back 50 years. The present was something that they need. Yeah. I've not heard that, they that want. Um, there's also like, 
categories, um, like one thing to wear, some, one thing to read, something to play with, or something like that. Like a little formula to, to follow, which is well, kind of cool. If you fall in this category that you overdo it and you blow out the bank for a Christmas party, a holiday party, or a, a birthday party, for his birthday parties <laughs> or something sick. It's amazing how much money is being spent on a one-year-old's birthday party. Like, oh, it's it's all a the party rage. for the parents it that is, is not that is not real. It that is, is what's all happening the rage. in America. That's not real. It's a whole industry. That's it's right. like the next wedding industry. <laughs> it could be. I'm not sure. Ju- hey, business you're idea. You're onto something. <laughs> all right, number nine. Finishing out the list, nine <laughs> and ten. Number nine, eating out. Oh yeah. I mean, we all know it. We're all guilty. There, and this there, does there. not mean physically putting your butt. In a booth at a restaurant, no, to be clear. Fast, fast food. Like, the number of times that we drive home from a sporting event and stop at Chick-fil-A. That's the problem. Chick-fil-A. Holy cow. We're keeping them busy. There's a reason why there's 15 different fast food joints on every corner. It's not because people are eating at home anymore, right? Um, but it's, it go, it's the sports thing. Like, it's... Time, I, time, it's time, 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 yeah, time. It's time. Yeah. It's... This is a real issue, though. Like, when you really get down to it, people are like, um, I can't save any money. I can't pay down my debt. It's like, Really? So why don't we just spend Sunday afternoon, let's pre-plan your meals for yeah. the entire week, let's buy everything one time, not have, what's the curbside thing that people do? Well, curbside. No, curbside at H-E-B or... Hey, hey don't be knocking on curbside, okay? well, Curbside's fine. <laughs> Wait, not every day. Every day is a Yeah, problem. it shouldn't be a daily trip. What, what's, that, uh, what's that other app that you can get people go pick up food for you? Oh, like Shipped and... Shipped, shipped is one. I mean, there's a million and There's apps. a ton of them, yeah. Christy does something. I'm trying to remember the name of it. There's uh, like Instacart. Instacart. That's There's the all devil. Sorts of them. Instacart is the devil. Yeah, I think I disagree, but okay. Okay. So listen, from a budgetary perspective, Instacart should not show up t- more than once a week, let alone once a day. So if it happens where it's doing more than once a day, we're probably double counting condiments and not looking in the fridge for do we have any extra apples or whatever else. This is not a knock on Christy. I love her to death. But this is an example of where you get cut up, cut up, caught up on convenience. And yeah. it costs you dearly in your budget, right? So all or, I do is tell people, okay, I'll, t- well, I'll just tell people, listen, once a week, sit down. Yeah. Look yeah, at yeah. your entire freaking meal plan. Have a plan is the key word. Buy it all. Yeah. Eat A on, on Monday, B on Tuesday, C on Wednesday. If you want to eat out day, great. But if your goal is that you'd rather retire one day <laughs> than eat yourself to, into a coma, <laughs> if you'd rather be able to go on that trip or be out of debt or buy that house, it means like take a look at your eating out habits and drinking out habits because that yeah. is a huge suction point. When you take, I would say top three on average for uh, Americans today is that area. It's buying crap yeah. at a high price, you know, poisoning your body. <laughs> That's really the truth. Yeah, there's just no good way to cut it. Nope. But it's a thing. It's a real thing. Um, it's a problem. Yeah. It take, the thing is, is that it takes extreme planning. That's, that's where I know for, for us is where we get caught up is if you don't have, uh, if you don't set aside the time for whatever reason to, to plan out every single thing and then, um, figure out, okay, like on baseball nights, we're eating twice. Like they're eating before baseball games at seven 30, we're going at 10. They're, they're hungry again. So Mm. do we have a plan in place for the pre-meal and the post-meal and all of that takes it takes time. Right. Um, and it's gotta be quick and it's gotta be fast. And yep. so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting though. It doesn't mean that the, it's not possible. No, it doesn't mean out. it's not possible. Yeah, nope. that, and it goes back to, do you want to retire or not? Right. Right. So if, it, if, if the reason why you can't save or can't, uh, pay down debt 
is because of your eating habits. Oh gosh, that should be the first thing to go. That's the first thing to look at. Oh my gosh, first thing. Yes. it's just a choice, and the, you're gonna poop it out in twelve the hours. The other thing happen. too is uh, one thing that I was driving me crazy is we weren't watching like paper products, so we would be out of toilet paper or out of paper towels or something, and we'd have to stop by Walgreens. Mm-hmm. And buy a four pack that's nineteen ninety nine, right? Yep. Um, that stuff makes me crazy. So, oh yeah, you pay for a single Coke, two bucks at a gas station, right? Where you can get a two gallon or a three gallon for three bucks if you just go to the freaking grocery store, right? But it goes from not planning accordingly, yep. and yep. so we've done the Amazon subscribe and save for all mm. paper products. So, and it's I've price shop them which is really cool of me um and it's like it's less than costco and uh sam's and when you put them on the subscription and then they just show up at your door and so you're not having to run out we talk about with the spices and things like that too yeah you can do yes all that. uh dishwashing detergent that's another one mm-hmm. um things that you're gonna go buy a small one of because you need it right now and it's gonna cost you more those things are budget killers i love that you brought that up that's excellent all right number 10 round it out um, and this is this is just something that I just see quite often. People don't even think about it because, again, I think we're. I, I tell I tell Christy all the time when he goes to to uh, budgeting in general that we can uh, dollar cut ourselves twenty dollar cut ourselves to death. Yes, right? yes. Uh, we this this in our head that five bucks isn't really that much anymore. Ten bucks isn't really that much anymore. But ten bucks every single day adds up, right? And so um, what I'm going at here though is specific to bank and credit card fees. Oh, okay. So when we open up, uh, or the average consumer opens up a checking account, a savings account, um, if you have a credit card or two or three for convenience, for whatever justification, you know, if you have an American Express at Costco, you get some savings, right? Um, the uh, A lot of car places, if you get an auto loan at the, at, I'm not going to name banks, if you get an auto loan at a specific bank and you open up the credit uh, uh, bank account oh, and you do yeah. automatic draft, you get yeah. an extra quarter, half point off your interest rate, right? But what they don't look at read or pay attention to is the fine print of what is the fees on that account so yeah. a lot of people will say oh i only have to put 100 bucks in there to open the account yeah no problem they didn't notice it was a 20 dollar fee a year well that's 20 percent. i feel like that's so much dude there's 50 dollar fees there's 100 dollar fees there's 300 there's, fees. But there's monthly ones too there's monthly ones too so lack of use uh, uh not having a high enough balance right uh, uh non-use for certain credit cards like there's diff- different fees that are that are out there so when you oh here's a here's a killer ATM fees. So oh I will not banks, pay to get my money. I love that you say that it because is. most people will. And what no, they do is they don't read stopped. the start. They don't read the small print that their bank. Let me not name a big bank, but there's only three of them, and two of them <laughs> have this. Where if you use a ATM that's not their bank ATM, they charge you two bucks non refundable, and then the ATM gets their three, three to six bucks. So let's just do the math here. So you're going to do a hundred dollar withdrawal on an ATM ATM. There's going to be a $2 and a $6 or $2 and a $5 withdrawal fees. So you had $7 in fees for 100 bucks. Yeah. You just paid 7% on that one $100 withdrawal. For your own money. Yes. And so that, that's, a, again, what we're not trying to do is come up with, if you do this, you're going to make millions of dollars. It's these all these little all the drags, little yeah. all these little parachute drags. You can picture a race car that tries to slow down at the end of the race where they throw back the parachute. And just mm-hmm. it's catching that error. We have dozens of examples like these. These are top 10 I came up with, but dozens of parachutes out that are slowing down our forward progress. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get people to think about. Um, well, and sometimes the bigger things that you need to make 
changes in your budget around, take some time. Of so course, these yeah. are areas that are just a little more realistic. Mm -hmm. Like instead of four times a week out, cut it to two. That's 50%. Like, yep. and then don't pay to get your money out of a, out of an ATM because there's probably one literally right around the corner. Yep. So just, and don't wait till you're out of detergent. Order yeah. up, order up for like when it's halfway full or halfway empty, go to Costco and get a or, big one. Or put a plan in place to where that does not happen. Like, yeah. because it is all, yeah. So I like that you said that. It's just little pickups here and there while you're working on the bigger. Yeah, I'm guilty too. Ones. Like, um, my, uh, Aubrey, or sorry, Preston, my youngest had a soccer game and we were snack people and we forgot Oops. to get <laughs> snacks. And so I remember sitting there in the bed with Christy and we're on Instacart going, <laughs> I need <laughs> cut <laughs> apples, I need uh, Gatorades, I need. Uh, chips, I need some candy, and I need cute little bags to put them in and little bows. And then uh, we checked out, and I looked, I was like, that was stupid. Man, I don't like these kids that much, and I'm joking, obviously. <laughs> the but, other thing, too, is um, prepackaged at the oh, grocery yeah. store. Big that deal. is a killer. So if you can buy in bulk and then prepackage your own, mm -hmm. have your kids do it. Like, yeah, Don't buy the cut apples. Buy the apples and cut them. And cut them. <laughs> buy, in fact, they make cutters. You just go, like it, it, but that would be too difficult. <laughs> I mean, I don't like those things. They are kind of hard to get in, but just you know, delegate it to a kid. So what do you think of the top 10? I loved those. Okay. Cause I know you're my creative genius. I had more to say than I thought. I was really kind of nervous. about. <laughs> like, I have no idea what he's going to do to me. Uh, but that was good. That good. was very good. Well, for more information, uh, reach out to us. The information is, is in the link and, uh, we'll see you next time on Sigmund Sense. Boom.